everyone. Thanks for tuning into Power Athlete Radio, featuring the crew, where a former pro football player and a D3 all-star use strength and conditioning as an excuse to talk about anything but. Now here's John and Tex. Hey, Mr. McCorkin, how are you doing today? Incredible. Good. Having a good year. Yeah. How are you? <laughs> it's been a great year. It's a wonderful year. No, I'm doing well. Um, little tired today. I had a long, long weekend. Well, I feel you work hard on your weekends. Man, I need to quit this normal job so I can just focus on my side hustles and my projects. But uh, finished up this or got a bunch of welding done on the staircase here where you see the podcast room and the next room over where the office is. There's a loft and there's a ladder which makes it hard to get stuff up. So I've been building a staircase. So built the platform, worked on the front, I welded up all the runners, got those mounted, and well, now I got to take some more measurements, make the bottom part, and then I'll put in the uh, the tread. So that piece, and then Saturday, finished cutting down the rest of those oak trees in the back. Um, had to cut the lawn, drag the harrow because there's a ton of horse shit I had to break up. Pretty interesting though, uh, as I drag that harrow, and a harrow, if you guys don't know, is like a huge piece of like metal kind of interconnected hooks. And you use it to drag the pastures, kind of turn up all everything, and also yeah, break it's up like all the a shit. giant fishing net getting dragged by a four wheeler. Yes, that's exactly. That's a great analogy. But yeah, now we got a couple trips scheduled, so I'm excited for that. And just got a lot of man. It feels like uh, all of a sudden the year is already booking up. We got the coaches collective coming in September. Uh-huh. Uh huh. We got a private gig in October uh, coming through. And a little FSU game. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's another one. I got a, a trip out to go. Um, I got to confirm today, go out and work with the guys at Charlotte football and then maybe a trip overseas. So we'll see how that one pans out. So we just got a lot of stuff going on and then we're kicking ass here. We got the remote coaching thing coming down the pipeline, uh, which I'm excited about. And man, we just got a, just a lot of stuff happening in, in, uh, at, at warp speed as always. Well, we're not going to stop empowering and Can't educating. Stop. Can't stop. Won't stop. That's right. That's what power athlete podcast is for. And we have a special question about, this is all you. Mm. I'm going to help facilitate for our listener, Well, but you're I, the expert uh, in this. I have a feeling they, they probably got it wrong, so I'll have to straighten them out a little bit, but uh, we'll go from there. All right. Here is our caller. Sweet. Right on. Good morning, guys. This is Mike from North Carolina. I got a question for the crew. So... Oftentimes, John has talked about and kind of breezed over how he was insulin insensitive at one time during his career, and that he fixed it over the course of about a year. But he's never really gone that into it. And currently, myself and some of my coworkers um, in the military, we we found that we are the same right now. We're a little insulin insensitive. So just wanted to reach out and see if uh, John could uh, deep dive that a little bit, like how he got to where he needs to be. Um, if you're wondering what kind of ranges we're working with, right now all of us are pretty much fasted glucose over like 115 to 116, like kind of sitting in that range. Some days we're just under 100, but most of us are seeing the same exact kind of lives. Anyway, appreciate you. Okay. Bye. All right. All right. So insulin. Okay. So let's start it back. So uh, years ago, uh, Doc Inkledon and I got into a conversation talking about fast blood glucose. 
because when I got my blood work done, it was always like 100, 101, 102. And Doc made the comment like, man, this is weird. You should do a glucose tolerance test. So we did a glucose tolerance test, which I was fine. And I ended up going and getting a blood glucose meter and checking my blood sugar pretty religiously. The thing that was interesting was when I would wake up in the morning, it was always high, like over 100. And then as soon as I would eat, it would fall through the, like it would fall down into the, into the 80s. So it only really affected me when I woke up in the morning or if I ate like Chinese food, right? So if I ate Chinese food, it would go through the roof. So uh, we started employing something called non-mediated glucose uptake, which means as you start to do some form of aerobic exercise, blood sugar falls. So I got to the point where if I knew that I was going to eat something or if I ate something and I t- tested my blood sugar and it was through the roof, I would just go jump on, uh, at the time it was a Aerodyne, just a little Aerodyne bike or go for a walk. You know, that's why the age old, you know, take a walk after Thanksgiving, you know. Every Thanksgiving after we'd eat, we'd always have to go walk around the neighborhood for that very reason. So uh, in recent months, this has become much more prevalent in my life, uh, mainly because my son got diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. So now you guys can't see it. Maybe you can. But like I got this thing on the back of my arm, which is called a fast, a, a constant glucose meter. So now I test my blood sugar um, all day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my son wears one so we can test his and monitor him and shoots it to an iPhone app. And it's been really, really fascinating to look at the numbers and more importantly, um, kind of understand the ebb and flow of glucose and how your body reacts to certain different things. Um, but, uh, that's a little more specialized. You guys can check it out. And if you want to really deep dive into that one, but let's get into a few of the mechanisms, uh, that control blood sugar and more importantly, things that you should be focusing on one. Uh, big aerobic capacity, aerobic work, that non-immediate glucose uptake is a key factor. So we also know that lifting weights increases insulin sensitivity. Body fat decreases insulin sensitivity because it's extremely oxidative. Um, with that talk I did for the NSCA on uh, metabolic flexibility, perfect example. The more body fat you have, less metabolically flexible you are. The more muscle you carry, low amount of body fat, the more metabolically flexible you are. So what things might contribute to waking up first thing in the morning with blood glucose being high? Uh, one of them is crappy sleep. Okay. So if somebody has uh, elevated fasted blood glucose first thing when they wake up in the morning, uh, I'm going to look at their sleep and I'd send them in to do a sleep study and probably end up having some form of sleep apnea and would recommend a CPAP. So we found that that fixes it a lot. Um, as I'm talking, as I'm listening to the questions from, from these guys, I don't know how else it looks, but I guarantee um, they're married. They got kids. Crappy sleep always associated with kids and and, uh, and being married. It's not like you get to just go home and hide. So I would definitely get into a sleep study, see if a CPAP is something that would help you be a lot more rested. Um, the other key one that raises blood or is going to raise blood sugar is cortisol and stress. So how stressed are you? Are you in a job where you're up all night and you're a shift worker? where you're you know, working uh, all night and, and sleep all day, that will definitely mess up your cortisol. You're pounding a ton of coffee, energy drinks. What are you doing to uh, pump up cortisol, opiates, alcohol, you know, other key ones. So uh, the other key one I would look at is nutrient deficiencies. So real low in B vitamins. Um, I pulled up one study that showed that vitamin D, B12, and folic acid levels, when they were low, 
uh, it was greatly associated with poor insulin resistance in non-diabetic individuals. And it was even much greater in those that are obese, obviously, because as we know, fat being oxidative, uh, compounding. So that's something to look at. So crappy sleep, definitely raise insulin sensitivity. Uh, excess body fat, raise, or sorry, will decrease insulin sensitivity, raise blood glucose. Uh, nutrient deficiency, right? Low in B vitamins, especially. Um, also, you know, vitamin D and some other f- factors. And then... Uh, well, he provided some extra information as a follow-up, essentially aiming to eat as keto as possible with handful yeah, of berries. See, here's the thing. Um, I don't know, like, okay, so um, there's certain foods spike insulin or spike blood sugar, which spikes insulin in response. But uh, a lot of times, I think uh, we've seen people not necessarily have great blood glucose. Like, you can manage it through a low-carb diet, but then what happens if you do eat some carbs? Then all of a sudden, you have this rocket effect. So... Uh, I don't always recommend that people follow a to the T ketogenic diet. Uh, what I like to do is see them actually eat more of a balanced diet and have more carbohydrates. Just find what foods spike you the least. Mm-hmm. Like for example, um, 50 grams of carbohydrates from white potatoes will shoot me through the roof. 50 grams from other places doesn't really mess with me. So uh, I started figuring out that like uh, corn and white potatoes absolutely just blew me through the, uh, the roof. So I don't eat those anymore. Um, and if I do eat something that I know is going to spike me, I'll take a supplement with it. So the two I really like is berberine. So one gram of berberine per day lowers fasted blood glucose by about 20%. All right. Um, by fasted, I'm sorry, flat fasted blood sugar by about 20%. Alpha lipoic acid, 500 milligrams, three times a day with meals and then cinnamon extract. So I kind of alternate between those different ones. So I have a cinnamon extract that I'll take. I'll use alpha lipoic acid and I use berberine. I kind of alternate. I'll take one for a couple of days and I kind of keep mixing them because I found that if I use the same one over and over again, it, it just had a diminishing effect. But for the most part, and then this was also another crazy deal. When I started taking like the berberine with B vitamins, all of a sudden it was dropping me down into the 60s and 70s and was tanking my blood sugar. So there's a way to control it if I know that I'm going to eat something I know is going to spike me. Now, the ideal temp, the, the ideal level is about 80, 83, 85, somewhere in there. Like if you can consistently stay in like that 80s, uh, you're pretty good. Anything under 100 is usually considered pretty healthy. Up to 120 is uh, considered normal because as you eat, obviously your body's going to, you know, have a response. Blood sugar's going to go up. 120 is fine. Now, anything over 140, that's when we start getting into problems with inflammation and uh, degeneration of the optical nerve and a bunch of other stuff. So uh, the big question, and this is what I ask these guys on their blood work, what's your A1C? So your A1C is going to show an average blood, um, uh, blood glucose over the course of like three months, for example. So anything less than 5.7 is considered fine. Anything over 5.7 puts you in that kind of diabetic state. I think my son, when we took him to the hospital, was like a 10.1, which, which meant he was probably over 300 for a couple months. Now he's been, you know, we put him on a low carb diet and uh, looked at some micronutrient deficiencies and he hasn't taken any insulin in weeks. So we've been just controlling it that way. So it definitely works. But I'll tell you this, what really affects his blood sugar, direct sunlight first thing in the morning and exercise. 
if he doesn't get out in the morning and get like 30 minutes of direct sunshine, all of a sudden his blood sugar is going to be probably five, 10 points higher. It's crazy. And if he gets exercise, his blood sugar is super stable. So uh, was that an observation or read somewhere that or get suggested that? No, I just, um, a lot of this stuff, because he wears a constant glucose meter, we see it. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you kind of do things, you know, like you, all of a sudden you're outside where like we got up early, went and played in the pool and he was out in the pool for about an hour. We played in the sun and all of a sudden his blood sugar was like consistent and low the whole day, regardless of what he did. Uh, the next day they just like hung out inside. Uh, you know, we, you know, went somewhere in the car. He didn't get outside and get all that direct sunshine. Not until after, a little later in the day. And his blood sugar was way more kind of like this. So we found direct sunshine first thing in the morning is a key factor and then exercise. So try to get some aerobic exercise, go for a walk, get outside, get some direct sunshine and just get a little bit of aerobic work that does a ton, a ton to control blood sugar. So, um, you got a recommendation for that patch? No, no, no. Though the one he uses is called the Dexcom. Okay. Um, that, but that's got to get prescribed by a doctor. Uh, the one that I have is an off the shelf one which uh, I've been testing, and the problem is, is because I got a, a diabetic son, we get up and we test our blood sugar every morning, and my thing is pretty inconsistent. Uh, so I don't know if it's the fact that, I think the lady tried to tell me because my arms were big, that it wasn't, you know, oh, well, your arms are big. They're not that big. but No, nah, they're not that big. <laughs> uh, but, like, it's, uh, yeah, it's just, it, it's not as accurate, so that because of that, I'm not going to give him a, I'm not going to call him out or necessarily drop a, deal but if you do a little bit of research you can find some constant glucose meters where you don't need a prescription but mm-hmm. the one he has dexcom is pretty damn good it kicks information every four minutes but we also every morning get up and test his blood sugar and then we'll do what's called a correction on it so if it's right on the money it's fine but if it's not we just correct it twice a day so but it's pretty accurate if once we do the correction um the, the interesting part though is you can look at food uh, you know, the diet he eats is a high protein diet, moderate fat, low carb diet. And we just keep away from the foods that we know that he tested food allergy to. So he, he had a food allergy to white potatoes and dairy. So we cut dairy out and white potatoes and he's been fine. Um, kiwi doesn't do anything to his blood sugar. So he's been killing the kiwis lately. Uh, eats a lot of steak, a lot of chicken, and, um, he really likes bacon and sausage. So pretty good. Well, th- these guys got to perform as well. So I'm sure, yeah. how do you think they're... I would not recommend a low-carb diet for these guys. Yeah. How do you um, think they're supplementing? Just more caffeine or just gutting uh, it through? No. I, I what are they doing wrong is all I'm asking. Well, I think what they need to do, and uh, I don't know what these guys... I mean, I know they're in North Carolina, so they're at Fort Bragg. I don't know what side of the house they're on, uh, whether they're on the soft side uh, or on the, you know, on the other side where we worked with the 18th Airborne Corps or whatnot. But uh, my biggest thing I'd start with is... Um, a sleep study and see if like that's the contributing factor if they got sleep apnea and they're waking up and they're having this really stressful moment when they should be sleeping I think uh, the CPAP is probably the the recommendation there but I'd start with a sleep study the other one which I'm not sure how this would affect because I haven't had enough time to test it but something like the uh, the focus come yeah um, that we we just did a podcast with these guys that have this bitch and piece of tech that actually teaches you how to create mindfulness and relax. I think something like that might be beneficial before bed. So I'm going to definitely test that one. I'd say get off the opiates, cut out the alcohol, uh, and, and cut off the coffee if you're really nervous. Because we know that alcohol, opiates, and coffee all 
are going to stimulate cortisol release. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't want to live in a world that doesn't have coffee. Um, I can, you know, avoid drinking for a couple of weeks. It's not a big deal for me. I do like to drink coffee. So I usually drink it first thing in the morning. Obviously you want cortisol to be high in the morning and then it triturates over the course of the day. You don't want to have, you know, uh, a ton of coffee and a bunch of like high cortisol late right before bed. Cause I think that that causes more trouble. Um, aerobic work, make sure you're getting some form of aerobic exercise at least every day. You know, whether it's a walk with the family, 10, 20 minutes on the assault bike, it doesn't have to be crippling. 70, you know, take your heart rate, 220 minus your age, take 70% of that and stay in that zone for 20 minutes. Um, we, we know some SF guys that have overdone the exercise. Yeah. What are some tell, telltale signs that they're overworking out that could be contributing to? Uh, cortisol. So, yeah, they can mess up their cortisol, fry the adrenals, and then all they do is they just kind of pop it on the backside of it and start trying to make up for it. And I think you would see that definitely with uh, elevated passive blood glucose levels. Any signs on the body, like fat yeah, accumulating you, certain places? You know, um, Rob Wolf and I, um, you know Woodski would know way more about this than I do. But I remember when Rob went and did Charles Paulquin's biosignature deal, they had kind of a, um, they almost had the like uh, areas. So they would do body fat measurements and certain areas on the body that tended to pack more fat were associated with certain things like elevated blood glucose, uh, elevated estrogen. And they went through and so they, the biosignature was kind of like, hey, if this, then that. Mm -hmm. So I think that the, uh, the elevated cortisol is usually kind of fat, like what I call dad fat, which is the back fat. Which is funny because I didn't have that until I had kids. And then all of a sudden I got up one day and I was like, ooh, what is that? And I, I remember talking to Rob. He's like, oh, that's, uh, we call that dad fat. That's what you get from not sleeping and that's from high cortisol. So uh, definitely check out the sleep study, CPAP. Um, you can also do a cortisol test and see how your cortisol is working. Um, avoid opiates, alcohol, you know, limit the coffee, uh, reduce body fat. I would caution you against going into a full ketogenic diet. I think you need to be able to process carbohydrates, uh, especially in that job. So I would just look to see which carbs uh, are ones that work better with your body. He also said it's it's not only him. It's a lot of his team members that are facing the same problem, the same. So they're all measuring their blood glucose and finding this. Well, but the other problem, too, is it's extremely fluid. So obviously they're getting up first thing in the morning and they're testing. Are they testing before and after every meal? Are they testing before a meal and then 15 minutes after a meal? Uh, I think when I was doing mine, I was testing my blood like eight times a day. And I just charted everything. And I could tell now that I have this glucose meter, I mean, I, I, I check it before every meal. I check it after every meal. And then I also see, and then it's pretty fascinating too, to see how your blood sugar spikes and actually does some really interesting things when you sleep. There's a thing called the dawn effect, where around 3 a.m. all of a sudden your blood sugar goes up which is where I think cortisol starts coming up. Is that why some people wake up at three? Yeah. Uh, the other interesting one is if your blood sugar falls dramatically, which happened to me, you'll wake up immediately. So uh, What's I, that feel like? Uh, it's um, like your blood sugar, like I think your body wakes you up to go eat something. I don't know if you ever like woken up at like three in the morning starving and just got out of bed to go eat. That happened to me. and uh, um, that, Only like big meals. And then you wake up and your stomach is growling. You're like, what the? So uh, big meals are another big culprit. People that like eat one huge meal a day um, end up having some blood sugar issues. Huh. So uh, I don't know. I mean, I've read things that talk about fasting being great for controlling blood sugar. And I think everybody should do a little bit of fasting. Like on a Sunday, 
Like just get up in the morning and don't eat till dinner. I think one day a week is fine. You don't well, for eight hours. Yeah. Don't eat. Yeah, just eat dinner Saturday night and then get up on Sunday morning, go exercise, and then just don't eat till dinner. Like that's pretty much the extent of my fasting. So I think a little bit of fasting is always beneficial. Aerobic exercise, lifting weights, making sure your body fat's not too high. And then for the most part, are you micronutrient deficient? So that's a big one. Um, I know there's a bunch of genetic stuff for uh, being able to methylate B vitamins, which we talked to Derek Woodski about. Mm-hmm. You know, there's certain people that are genetically don't methylate B vitamins well. And if you're low on B vitamins, there can also be some other issues. So and if you really want to go down the rabbit hole, go check out the constant blood glucose meters. Um, Chris Duffin has been testing a product. I forget. Uh, I, he never told me the name. He's supposed to send me some samples that are really good about dropping blood sugar. So I know he's been messing with those. So um, there's some really fascinating information. Now, um, the reason it becomes important is because inflammation starts getting real high when blood sugar is high, especially when it's constantly high. Like if it goes up and then comes back down, it's not that big an issue, right? That's what happens. You eat your body, you know, blood sugar goes up, the body releases insulin, you know, the beta cells in the pancreas produce insulin, uh, pushes it out, brings it back down. The problem is, is if it's constantly high all the time, that's when we get into problems. So that's uh, something to look at. So you guys got a a little bit of a game plan. Mm -hmm. I want you to start with, getting a sleep study, book a sleep study, see if you need a CPAP, uh, get a cortisol test, start measuring your cortisol and see, and it's a, it's a little spit test, you know, saliva test, so they can kind of see what the curve of your cortisol is. I would definitely look at some micronutrient testing. Um, I'd lay off the, if you're taking any painkillers, uh, any alcohol, I'd definitely cut those out. I'd limit the coffee. And if you can start kind of figuring out what foods cause you to react, I would cut those out, and if uh, if you really want to get into the supplementation, you can look for something like uh, alpha lipoic acid, berberine, or cinnamon extract to control blood sugar. Boom. Cool. A lot to test, retest, and dial it in. Oh, yeah. And make sure you're lifting weights. That's another big one. Lifting weights improves, improves insulin sensitivity. Boom. Asked cool. and answered? Yeah, that's good. Um, as always, hit us up. You got any more questions on the old hotline? 929 464 Zero. 929 ing ing. Zero. Yeah, and a, a review. We ah, need we need some reviews. Yes. So obviously you should uh if this was your question, get you and your buddies, go smash a five star review anywhere that you can review the podcast. We could use some five stars. If they are extremely funny, hilarious, and up to what we would consider like the level at which we should expect from our power athlete reviewers. We'll get old Chauncey to read it. That's right. And yeah, we, we can drop some more of those. Maybe throw one in the end of the show here, Charles, so they can get an experience of old Chauncey. Just a <sighs> old Chauncey. How would you describe him? Um, English. English? Is he English? Yeah. He's like Austin Powers' dad. Huh. It's like Michael Caine trying to do an English accent. It's, it's horrible. Is it Michael Caine English? Yeah, but then it's funny because he's trying to do an English accent. Uh, okay. Uh, I got to rewatch that one. Yeah, gold member. It's good. It, it's got it, a little like, longevity yeah, to it. You freaky deaky Dutch bastard. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, sneaky one-liners in there. Always I, I do appreciate it. So, all right. Well, thanks guys for tuning in to another episode of Power Athlete Radio. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. Head to powerathletehq.com backslash training to choose from a number of programs to meet your specific performance goals. 
And if you like to break a mental sweat too, visit academy.powerathletehq.com and become a real stakeholder in you or your athlete's success. Until next time, bye!